Well, e- even if you don't normally use the sermon notes, I would encourage you to take it out because we're going to have a participatory sermon notes today, okay? <clears throat> and I know for some of you, you don't want to do that, and that's okay, you know. But what I want to draw your attention to in the notes is your naughty list. Because we're going to work with this naughty list today, and I thought we'd have some fun with it. You know, <clears throat> Santa always has his naughty and nice list, so I thought we ought to have our naughty list. And I, I limit it to only three. I realize some of you might need a couple more pages, but <clears throat> we're just going to limit it to three today for the sake of this sermon and time. But I'd like you to think about the people on your naughty list. And what I mean by that are this, people who have offended you, people who have hurt you, uh, people who have somehow made your life miserable. Maybe you work with them. Maybe they're a family member. Not not that that would ever happen. But, um, you know, somehow in your sphere of life, we probably all have folks we could put on our naughty list. They're not our favorite people. Because of what they've done, because of how they've treated us. Now, we're going to come back and talk about this naughty list a couple different times during the sermon today. But once you have that list, at least in your mind, and, and I suspect that most of us at least have a few names in our mind, whether we've written anything on the paper. And if your spouse is on the list, you probably don't want to write their name on the paper, okay, because uh, they might see. But <clears throat> whoever's on that list, how do you treat them? If you encounter these people, how do you treat them? What do you say to them, or maybe you don't say anything to them? What do you do to their face? Maybe what do you do when they're not in the room? We would say behind their back. How do you tend to treat the people on your naughty list? Well, the law had a formula for that. And, and Jesus talks about that. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to turn over there to Matthew 5, I want to pick out verses 38 and 43. Gosh, I don't preach for two weeks and I'm losing my voice. Um, <clears throat> in verse 38... Jesus reads, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then in verse 43, he says again, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Jesus references the Old Testament law there. And he says, now you've been taught, you've heard that there was a formula. When someone does something bad to you, here's how you are to respond. This is how you are to treat them. And if you basically look at those two verses that Jesus says, he basically is saying the law's formula is treat others the way they treat you. That eye for an eye. If they treat you this way, then you treat them back. You do it that same way back to them. In a sense, I think most would say, well, that's common sense, isn't it? I mean, you have to stick up for yourself. There needs to be consequences for people if they do things to us. There should be consequences back to them. In a sense, every human culture around the globe has some guidelines like that. 
When people do bad to you, here's how you respond. Now, I want to just throw out a little bit of history for you because really what God was doing when he gave that law, that eye-for-an-eye law, it was actually a limit. It wasn't so much an assignment, and I think a lot of times we see it that way. If somebody does this, I must do this back to them. It was really in that ancient culture, it was more of this limit, this is all you can do. If they take an eye, all you can do is respond at the same level and take an eye. If uh, it's a life, then it's one life. The reason God had to put that limit on them is in that ancient world, if somebody did something to you, the tendency was to create a blood feud. And so if somebody stole my horse, I might go and kill their whole family. And that was just how the ancient world worked. And so you had all of these kinds of out-of-proportion responses. And so what God comes along and says, in my nation, my law is going to say you can only respond in kind. I want to limit your response. And it wasn't even so much you must, it was up to this is what you can do. But in this sermon series, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is saying is, I've come to teach you a new way to live. I've come to teach you a different way than what you've been taught. In our, our topic for today of anger, Jesus says, you've been taught eye for eye. Somebody does this, you respond. No more. But you respond, and that's okay. Hate your enemies is okay. But Jesus says, I want to come and help you see a new way to live. We've looked and mentioned that passage in John 10.10, where Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. There's a better way to live. Jesus came to say, I've come to bring in God's new kingdom. And in that new kingdom, you're going to be way better off than what you have been in the old kingdom. And Jesus said, that's why I've come. But to experience that new kingdom, we can't live like everybody else. If we do, we're going to experience the results that everybody else has, the results we've always had. If we continue to live by the old law. And so what Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount is saying, there's a better way to live. If you want to truly have that good life, that life in the new kingdom, then you have to act differently. It's not just because Jesus died on the cross, but because he came to teach us new ways of responding. And what we're looking at today is how we respond to the people on our naughty list, how we respond to our enemies. And Jesus came to say, I I have a new way for you to respond. So let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount and look at what he says. And there's actually two passages, and I want us to look at them one at a time. The first one is in Matthew 5, 39 through 42. He says, now you've been taught this way, that's the old way, but I tell you, do do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek... Turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, 
and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, I think most of us have probably read or at least heard that passage, that turn the other cheek thing. And I don't know about you, but for me, my, my tendency has always been I want to look at the details. Okay, now exactly what do I have to do? Uh, you know, I, I want to limit, this sounds way too generous, so I want to limit this. Where's my new line? And where do I stop? I want to ask you today to sort of set all that detail aside. And I want to look at that whole paragraph we just read and sort of look at, can I say, the big picture? If you had to summarize, rather than looking at those details, if you had to summarize the one concept that Jesus was trying to say, this is the new way to do it, what would it be? What is that big concept that Jesus wants us to see? Here's what I'd propose. I think what Jesus is trying to teach through all those details is, in the new kingdom, we're not to treat people like they deserve. It's no longer that eye for an eye. If they do this, then you do this back. In fact, go the second mile. Don't let them set the tone by how they treat you. Don't you go to their level. You determine your behavior. Don't let their behavior determine yours. Be kind. Be generous. Be giving, not just to your friends, that's the old way, but even to those who are not your friends. Even those who are on your naughty list. So, can we go back to that naughty list that you have? Whether in your head or on paper. I ask you to think about how you've been responding to those people. When you encounter them, how you talk or don't talk to their face, behind their back. That's the normal way, isn't it? That's the old kingdom. That's the way we've been raised to respond. That's how our culture has taught us. But what about if it was Jesus' way? What about if it was saying, I'm not going to let their treatment of me determine how I treat them. I'm not going to automatically go to their level. There's a different way of responding, of not paying them back, but responding with kindness, with being helpful, with being forgiving, with being generous. What if I started responding to those people in that way? Now, <clears throat> You may say, well, wait a minute, what about the law? I thought I was supposed to do the eye for an eye kind of thing. Well, as I said, God laid that out in the old kingdom. When humans were living with humans and humans acting in their own power. As a limit, go up to this but no further. But now you see we're in a new kingdom. And that's what Jesus came to teach us. And our ultimate issue is, how does God do this? How does God respond to the, the naughty people? And Jesus tells us that. And that's why I think we shouldn't stop at the law and say it's an eye for an eye. Life for life. Because that's not God's way. God responds differently. So let's go back to um, 
Matthew 5, and read the second passage that Jesus gave us, starting with verse 44. Again, you've heard it this way, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. The concept is so that you can resemble your parent. Treat them that way because that's how your dad treats them. And you need to look like your dad. Jesus then talks about how God treats us. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's how God does it. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? So he's saying if you do it the old way, what is that to your credit? Everybody treats people that way, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Jesus continues, and if you greet only your own people, your friends, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I've got to stop on that last verse because all of us read that and we get our out. And we say, well, I'm not perfect. I know I can't be perfect, so it doesn't apply to me. That's not the concept. The concept, the word that Jesus uses there is be complete, therefore. You need to become the person you were intended to be, complete. You need to live like you were designed to live. And how is that? The same way your Father who created you lives. Responding not by law, but responding by kindness. Because that's how He lives. And when you mature, when you arrive when you become the person you were intended to be, you're going to treat people like God does because he's your father. And the good news we've worshipped about today, the good news that we took communion about, is that God doesn't treat us based on law. If he did, we would have no hope. We worship gladly and sing praises gladly because we're coming to a God of grace. As Jesus says, a God who gives us food when I don't deserve it. A God who provides for us when I'm not good. A God who cares for me and about me when I deny his very existence. And he's still there. And he still cares. And Jesus says, that's how God is. And in the new kingdom, you're going to resemble your parent. You're going to look like dad, act like dad. We do that, don't we, as humans? People say, if you know me, you knew, you knew my dad. That's a great compliment to me. Jesus says that's the way it's supposed to be spiritually. We're supposed to grow up so that we resemble our dad, our heavenly father, and how he treats people, even naughty people. He does more than that more than just providing, and I can't go on without talking about more than just the rain and the food and the provision and, and housing and all that. I have to go to Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates, God proves beyond a doubt 
his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God responds, even to his enemies. People who have denied him, people who have sinned, who have disregarded him, he dies for them. That's how God is. You talk about turning the other cheek, you thought that was pretty extreme? That's nothing compared to dying for somebody, is it? And that's what God did. Now, I think legitimately if we take this seriously and say, you want me to respond this way, even though people treat me this way? That seems very noble. It seems like, well, that's a good goal. I'm not sure I'm going to pull it off. I may make it through Monday. But about Tuesday... You know, I I can handle number three on my naughty list that way. But if I encounter number one, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, I think that's realistic and we need to ask that question. But here's the good news. It does seem impossible. We might even say, that's not human. That's not, I mean, you've got to be God to do that. Well, in a sense, you're right. You are exactly right. If we are left to just our own hard work, our own desire, commitment, I'm going to do better. I'm going to treat my naughty list people that way. And it's just Jim doing it. I'd be doing well to make it to Tuesday. We all would. We'd fall right back into that old way. But the good news is the new kingdom that Jesus said, I've come to bring in the new kingdom. The good news is God's in us in the new kingdom. We say only God could do it that way. God would say, I know. I know. That's why I'm coming and living in you to help. Acts 2, when the the church opens, the new kingdom begins. What is the good news? In the new kingdom, the Spirit of God will come and live in all God's children. God will be present in us if we're one of God's children. God knows you're not going to be able to live this new way in the new kingdom all on your own. If I expect you to do that, you're going to fail and you're going to be right back where you were. But he said, I'll come live in you. I will help you live this new way. I will give you patience you didn't think you have. I'll give you strength you didn't think you have. I'll give you an ability to that turn the other cheek, to walk away, to be kind to somebody who doesn't deserve it. When every fiber in your being says, I'd like to punch them, I'd like to destroy them, I'd like to make sure they get fired. All those kind of human reactions. Jesus says you can do it differently. And the Spirit of God will live in you to help you do it differently. Can we go back to your naughty list one more time? What if you started responding to those people like God does? With grace. With forgiveness. With undeserved mercy. Undeserved kindness. What if you became Jesus to those people? You treated them like Jesus does. 
what would your behaviors look like then? Because you see, it is Jesus living in you. And he wants to help you do that very thing. A whole new way of dealing with the people who make us angry. It's a new kingdom. A much better life. Let's pray. Father, this isn't that complicated to understand. It's just so hard to do it. We understand and like the eye for an eye thing. But to forgive, to be kind, that's like you. And yet, Father, Jesus is so true. It's the only way we're going to experience a new life. A life that we would call abundant, blessed, happy. When we're not full of anger and driven by revenge and, and just all those things that take hold of our hearts when we're about an eye for an eye. And how freeing it is to be willing to let go and act out of kindness. And however they behave to feel good about ourselves and how we treat people. Jesus is right. It's a new life. I thank you so much that you're willing to help us live that new way. May we be different people this coming week. In your son's name, amen.